0: Welcome to Jet Setra. This is the Winnipeg Free Press Podcast about the Jets, sports, and et cetera. We have a lot of et cetera these days. I'm your host, Sports Editor Steve Lyons, and I'm joined as usual by sports Columnist Mike McIntyre. This is episode 37, and today we'll be talking about, uh, well, the Patrick Liney situation for sure with the Jets. Uh, what getting back into rinks and stadiums might look like. What is not going on with the CFL? More talk about pie and desserts and snow. Roll eyes emoji insert here, please. Yeah. So, um, Mike, let's just jump right into it then, since that's what we're going to be chatting about with our first period. And um, let's get to the Patrick Liney situation. It's been nonstop Patrick Laine talk uh, on uh, social media. And, and uh traditional media too and uh, in our newspaper and uh, over the last um, 10 days and it's kind of been on and off really since the season ended um most recently the conversation was uh rebooted when uh, pierre lebrun of tsn reported that a conversation that he had with liney's um agents Uh, suggested that uh, a move would be mutually beneficial for their client and the Jets, I guess, is the other mutually beneficial. Um, So you did a column on that this week. There's been tons of uh, people weighing in on this. and Let's just get right to it, Mike.
1: Do you think the Jets should trade Patrick Laine? Absolutely not. Uh, Steve, under under really almost no circumstance can I see how trading a 22-year-old who has 138 goals, by the way, are only six players in the entire NHL who have scored more than Patrick Liney since he entered the league. So that puts him in in pretty rare error. And all of those players that have scored more than Patrick Liney, the six, they're older than him, so he's the youngest on that list. Uh, normally, when you're just 22, I mean, there's a lots. Of, lots of guys are just breaking into the league. Some guys are not in the league yet. Blake Wheeler, for example, was still trying to find his way to the NHL at that young age. Patrick liney is already a proven goal scorer at this level, and I just believe that trading him now. Uh, would be risky beyond risky and fraught with danger and the kind of thing that not only could come back to bite you in terms of the on ice product i really wonder steve and i mean some of the feedback i've got this week has been along these lines this is a fan base that i suspect would be quite disenfranchised if if they were to trade a guy that I mean, they, he was celebrated when the Jets got him back in 2016 and the lottery balls went their way. To think that just four years later, they're looking at shipping him out of town is almost unfathomable. And, you know, it's interesting to me, Steve, I've got a lot of feedback to this issue, and I must say it varies depending on what platform I get, and I'd be curious what your take on this is. On Twitter, almost universally the feedback that I've got is the Jets would be insane to trade Patrick Line. that heads should roll if that happens. On email, almost overwhelmingly, the response that I've got is Patrick Line is a selfish, lazy, one-trick pony. And I'd love to know why you think maybe the, the, the opinion is so diverse depending on the medium in which it's delivered. Does it have to do with... The demographics of maybe who uses each medium and how the older generation versus the younger generation sees a guy like Linic. I
0: think that's that's partly uh, possible. Um, typically, my initial thought to that would be that somebody who takes the time to actually write an email has put more thought into something than somebody who just tweets something. I, I don't know that to be factual, but that's my initial. Reaction to that is that somebody who you know, and so I would tend to lean towards the um, more thoughtful, uh, right, means of communicating. Um, you know, the liney thing for me—I've been—I was talking with my boss, Paul Smith, about it, and he goes, "Aren't you of the mind that they should trade lining?" And and I've said, you know, either in say what with Weezer or. Shh in my playbook or even on this podcast that I'm not a big fan of Patrick Liney. I'm, he had been a one trick pony, uh, and, and, and teams had kind of caught on to that trick. Don't get me wrong. He does that one trick really, really well. It's a pretty good trick. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good trick and he does it really, really well. So there's some value in that. So, but I have never been a fan of his, um, his, um, desire when he's on, let's call it that, like his, his will, his will to, to play hard. Um, I just,
1: I, it, or his will to be in top physical condition, to be the type of player that
0: he could play. And, and so I'm not a fan of that type of player. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure that he's not, he's, he, he, that's not going to change and that he could become more of a Mark Shifley type of fitness guru, type of guy that would maybe that could change, right? Play a little less video games and a little bit more time in the gym. But the, but the thing about it here with me, I think, is that he's an asset. And so the Jets for me have a significant weakness on the back end on defense. And I guess any trade just depends on what you get for him, really? Yeah. Like,
1: I mean like you know, like Wayne Gretzky Gretz got traded, right? So, I mean, there's, yeah. there's probably no such thing as an untouchable. Right. I don't, I'm not sure if they got very much
0: for him. <laughs> the, that's when they traded Timo Solani. So you, you were right in what you said in your column is that generally the team who wins the trade got the one best player, right? I mean, that's generally the, the rule of thumb. And so they would have to get a really, really good defenseman, um, to make the trade worthwhile in my mind. Otherwise but then the other problem is here is if he's disgruntled, as some people are suggesting, and we don't know that to be factual yet. But if he is disgruntled then he is just going to bide his time over the next couple of years until he can walk as a free agent, then yeah, then you do need to trade him. Oh. Right. Or mend that relationship as you as we've talked about that.
1: Well, and I think that's the, the, that's what should be priority one here right now. let's let's see if you're the jets. see if you can't fix this. and maybe that means I don't want to say that you just cave to whatever demands a player has because I don't think that's a successful way to run a hockey team. It's not a successful way to run a business, right? Just just kowtow to demands. But I think Patrick Liney and his agents would make a valid point that he should be playing. Uh, on your top line, ahead of a guy like Blake Wheeler, who's 34 and in the downside of his career. Um, and I think Patrick Laine played some of the best hockey of his career last year when he moved up to play on the top line with Mark Shifley after Brian Little got hurt and Blake Wheeler moved down to be your second-line center. I also think, speaking of the captain, Steve, and I wrote this the other day, that you know Blake Wheeler has admitted he can be a hard-ass uh, and a difficult guy to deal with, um, he, he can be an unlikable figure for sure. And I just wonder if a guy like Blake Wheeler and Paul Maurice as well need to kind of look in the mirror to see they've done everything they can to make Patrick Limey feel special. And, I mean, he is a special talent, right? And that's that's the way the world is sometimes. Not everybody gets treated the same. There is favoritism in special treatment, and I just think at this point everybody should be doing what they need to to try and make Patrick Line happy here, because a happy Patrick Line likely means a happy Winnipeg Jets organization. Uh, one, one area I think you and I very much agree, though, Steve, is you cannot let this get beyond one more year. Uh, you have to either get him, get him signed to a long-term extension next summer at the latest, or you have to trade him. You cannot let this get to the Jacob Truba situation where you wait too long and your hands get tied. Hello, folks. We're back for the
0: second period of our Jet Central podcast. Mike, we talked a lot about um, Patrick Liney in the first period. and um, Hypothetically, at some point in time, uh, fans will have an opportunity to get back into a hockey rink and watch Patrick Liney play. <laughs> um, hopefully. Um, wherever he plays Um, yesterday um, I tasked you with uh, uh, taking part in a webinar about uh, what it might look like for uh, teams getting fans back in the stands and you wrote a nice column on that uh, in our paper today Um, you know the NHL has delayed its season hoping that they might be able to get fans in the stands we do have fans in the stands Watching the World Series, all Dodgers fans. It seems like yes, um, <laughs> there are fans at some NFL. Four NFL teams have fans in the stands. Um, the Manitoba Junior Hockey League here locally is allowing some fans in the stands. Um, I wonder, like, do you think that there would be? Do you think, right this moment, that there will be fans in Bell
1: MTS Place? February of 2021. No chance. I say there's no chance. However, I do think we could see fans in rinks like Tampa Bay, Dallas. I mean, Steve, during the Stanley Cup final, and we talked about this on a previous edition, like when the Lightning won the Cup final, there was a huge viewing party going on back in in Dallas and in Tampa Bay. They had they had fans in, in their home rinks watching the game on the big screen and then they poured out into the streets in tampa to celebrate like i think we could see um that that that's the most likely way this starts that the nhl has fans in some markets uh, based on what state and you know health officials deem as possible and then you have other markets likely the ones in canada for sure where the government says absolutely not, uh, we're not at that stage yet. Um, you know, when, on that webinar yesterday, Steve, like Cleveland, Ohio, Midwest city, uh, they have a rink that is a little bit bigger than Bell MTS Place called the Fieldhouse. It's where the Cleveland Cavaliers of the NBA play, and also the the uh, the Cleveland Monsters of the American Hockey League uh, division rival the Manitoba Moose, and they're they're director of technologies on the call he said they've had over 60 events in their rink over the last few weeks and months smaller scale events but where they've had crowds and they're doing all sorts of data analysis on what happens with those people in the building he he sort of referred to them as or it as a petri dish i'm not sure that's the best choice of words given the virus but yeah i i think we see a mixed um reaction based on the markets uh but here in winnipeg i mean i think we had well over a 100 cases again today steve like we're going in the wrong direction and i just don't see february would seem way too optimistic in my eyes well okay but okay so yeah the numbers are high here some of those numbers are in
0: certain areas of the city um so if if but if if there's allowing fans to go into the to hockey rinks, which they are right now in the Manitoba Junior Hockey Leagues, um, why not
1: Bell MTS Place? Yeah, I mean the, the same protocols, conceivably that you're using at the iceplex, or I mean, I was at uh, Billy Mozienko last night. Steve, my son's hockey team, his junior B team, had a home game every Tuesday night. They allow 90 fans in the building. That's what they've mapped Billy Mosienko out under current restrictions. Right. And they have forty five there's two sides. They had forty five people on each side and they turned people away once they hit. They had somebody at the door counting. So yeah, I mean if 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 we can get into Billy Mosienko to watch junior B hockey, um, why can't a similar percentage of fans get into bell mts and i I think, I think yeah i think part of it steve in my eyes would boil down to potential liability um you know what a what a hockey team like so let's say they're there there's a spread that ultimately gets linked like is the hockey team somehow responsible if somebody dies who went to a jets game and got covid um in a way that, say, uh, a minor hockey team would not. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, I think liability has to be a big part of it.
0: Um, maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a good story. We should investigate that. Yes. Um, but I think that, um, you know, hypothetically, the uh, by the way, the Manitoba Junior Hockey League is the only hockey league really allowing Fans, although I guess this this league that you went and watched last night, they're also allowing fans. So the, the Manitoba is is unique in that they are allowing fans in to these, despite some of the high numbers. And so, I, you know, I don't know. I guess we don't know what it would look like by February, but um, there will be very different protocols to getting into rinks. It probably, you know, be you'd be assigned to go to a certain place and all that. Isn't that they, what they were talking about on this
1: webinar last night? Or yeah, so, I, and I found that, I mean, there's a lot of little interesting nuggets about things they're trying, things they're doing, but yeah, in Cleveland, basically it works like this, Steve. You go to the rink, uh, there's a triage station that's set up, I guess, just outside the rink. Maybe they'd have to move it indoors once the weather gets really bad. I don't know that you'd want to be standing out at the corner of, portage and donald triaging if it's you know snowing sideways in the middle of january but they do the triage you know you you temperature check your symptom check you then have an app on your phone which actually tells you which entrance you are to use to get into the building and it's it's based on sort of real-time data collection and traffic monitoring so that you're not getting a massive cluster of people all at once. And you even get like a time, there's a window of time that you enter the building. And it's the same when you leave, you're ordering your food at your seat. Um, you're being told which bathroom you should go to. Like the technology does exist. And I think to me, that was the overriding theme yesterday on this webinar is that when we do get back into rinks and stadiums, uh, Number one, it's probably going to be quite different than what we've experienced in the past. And number two, technology is going to play a, uh, a substantial role in it. Um, so you
0: feel comfortable going and watching uh, watching your son play at these rinks?
1: I do. Um, I mean, we wear masks at all times, and I never feel... I mean, I feel way more crowded when I go to Sobeys to get groceries. Um I feel like there's more people in my immediate vicinity than I do at the rink where, you know, they've got it mapped out on the seats, like where everybody should sit and, and how far apart everyone should be. Um, they, they close the concessions, So you don't have people, you know, pulling down their mask to stuff popcorn into their pie holes, uh, you know, during the game. So everybody's masked. Um, And yeah, I mean, I do feel safe. And as far as I know, Steve, like their hockey's now been going on for a few weeks here in Manitoba. Um, I've yet to see Dr. Rusin or anybody say that there have been any outbreaks that have been linked to hockey games, minor hockey games, whether it's the MJHL or the MMJHL or the Capital Region Junior League, which my son plays in. Uh, Certainly we're seeing, you know, infections at schools and bars and restaurants I'm not sure about hockey rinks, and I, I don't know what that says, if that's just pure luck at this point. Uh, but I have seen pretty good enforcement and following of, of protocols. All
0: right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Setter podcast. Um, Mike, uh, I was reading online uh, over the weekend, and then I wrote about it in my playbook this morning, about CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi is... Threatened. threatened, I love this, threatened the CFL uh, teams and staff members of teams finds if uh, he finds out that they've leaked information to the media. It sounds like it was a kind of a reaction to a report that Rash Madani from Sportsnet had on Ambrosie's lack of a plan for the 2021. CFL season, the CFL shut down its 2020 season about eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago now, and really we've heard nothing from this league since. And so it all seems to be they're making some sort of plans for next year, although we don't know what they are. They're not being very transparent. And I'm really curious what exactly... Are they doing? What are general managers? I also found out yesterday that CFL teams are currently not allowed to register contracts, so they can't sign any players. Uh, so if Lyra, well, I can't say that. Here, allows you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> who was released by the Rams, I believe, wanted to sign with a CFL team. He can't. So right. I'm curious. What are general managers doing while they're getting paid? What are coaches doing right now? Uh, while they're getting paid. But what the hell is Randy and Rosie doing, more importantly, while he's getting paid? Again, there's just... I don't understand. There's no no transparency from this league, and, and I, my feeling is, is that there's no transparency because they've got nothing to say. Do you remember
1: the old uh, Maytag commercial, Steve? The Maytag repairman where... The, the concept behind the commercial was that Maytag makes such great products that the Maytag repairman, and he'd be featured in the commercial, just kind of sits there twiddling his thumbs because there's nothing for him to do. There's nothing to repair. I right. get the feeling like everybody in the CFL right now is like the Maytag repairman, just kind of all sitting around looking at each other. Um, it, if the plan, Steve, is that let's hope and pray that there's a vaccine by next summer. Like if that is what the plan is, that if there's a vaccine and, and we can get fans in stadiums, then great. If not, uh-oh, um, th- there needs to be a lot more than that, right? Like they that can't be all that they are banking on because there's no guarantee that by next June uh, there is a vaccine. And we may be faced with a very similar situation as this last summer and one thing the CFL won't be able to do next summer, I'm not sure they really could, could do it this summer either, but they tried, is to claim they, they kind of got caught with their pants down, right? Like, you know, this took them by surprise and there wasn't enough time or whatever. Like, All right, sure. They've got nothing but time now. And I'd like to think that they are coming up with a potential contingency to still have a season... Even if it can't happen with fans, because if if it is just tied into you know fans in in the seats, uh, the CFL is in more trouble than maybe we thought. Like because you know can they can they survive a second loss season? I don't know. Uh, you don't I don't know if they can survive one loss season at this point. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I, I'm, I'm not sure either. I'm going to presume. I'm going to give them all the benefits of the doubt. Um, I mean, I presume that Randy ambrosi is working really hard, and Wade Miller is working really hard, and, and whoever the other presidents of the, the in the in the league are, and all the governors, they're working really hard to come up with a number of different plans to have a, a a season next year, right? Do you know what I mean? And and they and they have plan A and B and C and D and E. They've got all of this, and they've got experts, and they've talked to the appropriate people and they, you know, they're they're really working hard at this. What I don't understand and, and this goes to all leagues is that they, the disservice that they do to their fans by not including them in the process, the information and, and everybody, a lot of people seem to think that, oh, it's the media whining that they're not getting an interview with Mark Chipman or they're not getting an interview with so-and-so. I really don't care. Right. really don't, no. but uh, honest to goodness, you know I, I just think it's insulting like yeah. insulting to the people who have been loyal to the leagues, loyal to the teams and pay their money and watch their sports, and they want to know what's going on. They just want to be included and they just want to know and and I really feel like I'm just trying to speak for them, right what I mean They're like, come on, guys, like tell them what's going on what could possibly happen oh we don't want to say what possibly could happen because that could change yeah and then say it's changed just
1: say something right I mean, right you know uh to, to take it back to something we talked about last period the web webinar on getting fans back in stadiums what that might look like One of the other themes yesterday on that webinar, Steve, was everybody who participated, and again, they had reps from the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Soccer, um, they all stressed how important communication is. Communication with your fans, communication with the community, communication with health and government officials, and whether you agree or disagree with the way that they've approached you know some of the regulations in the United States, and I think there's a lot of evidence to say that some markets have done a really bad job of it. I, I don't know that you can accuse some of the other leagues and some of those markets of not communicating. they've been they've been pretty transparent about what their plan is, how they're going about things. And I don't think you can say the same about a league like the CFL. I don't think you can say the same about a market like Winnipeg, whereas you wrote in your playbook the other day, Mark Chipman, there's been crickets from True North other than a comment back in March that they ended up having to walk back due to the outcry. And then he spoke uh, following the tragic death of Dale Howarchuk, but nothing on the pandemic or what what they're looking to do for season ticket holders. And I know a lot of people feel like they're kind of twisting in the wind right now, Steve. Uh, and they would just like to hear something. Like you said, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be definitive, but at least give a sense of, of what you're trying to do and and what you're hoping to do. Or Yeah, or
0: even just come out and say, hey, thanks for your patience. Like it's been, you know, we all understand that this has been a very difficult time and we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that and we're hoping for this. And, you know, we really, you know, we'd love to hear from you, whatever it might be. Just, yeah, like there's just been... In my mind, in this market, there's been wait. The cone of silence has been long running. I mean, True North is known for that,
1: but it's taken it to the extreme. It's, right. Uh, One last thought on Ambrosi: Like if I'm if I'm working PR in the CFL's office, I'm looking at doing like a town hall, a virtual town hall, or something at this point. Open yourself up to questions from fans uh, who have questions, and if you can't answer them you know say that and tell them why you can't answer them but i think anything at this point to kind of keep this dfl relevant uh, because i i suspect for a lot of people right now steve it's out of sight out of mind and some of those people you might have a hard time ever becoming relevant with them again you know some of the some of the biggest sports fans that i
0: know that i chat with on a day-to-day basis or whatever like in, in regular life i'll call it that are losing interest in sports. They really, yeah. really They just... And and so, you know, yeah, it seems to me that the Ambrosies of the world and the Mark Chippins of the world need to realize this and to do something to, to continue to capture the imagination
1: of these people, if nothing else. I suspect there are going to be a lot of uh, sports owners... Uh, maybe commissioners that are going to be in for a very rude awakening, uh, if they haven't already, on what the new normal, I hate that term, I know you do as well, but what the new normal might look like in the sports landscape, and it might not be very pretty, that's for sure. All right, folks,
0: we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Center podcast. Mike, last week during our podcast, we spent a lot of time talking about pie. (laughs) and uh, your big uh your love of pumpkin pie i got a funny story for you um as i said last week i'm not a huge fan of pumpkin pie it's okay Uh, i prefer cherry pie with ice cream so but anyway so that was last wednesday we did that um that podcast and then wednesday evening i went for dinner at my girlfriend's place and she served me a nice big piece of pumpkin pie with a a whack, of cool whip on it. I sent you a picture. Which you sent me a picture of. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, again, then, so Thursday night, we go out for dinner. I won't say what restaurant. But we went out for dinner to a restaurant that served her steak well done instead of medium. By the way, if you get a steak, if you go for a steak, and it's served well done instead of medium, and it has to go back, etc., etc., etc. What do you think's fair? Like, do you think... I don't think I should have to pay anything, frankly, for it. I mean, you basically ruined the timing of dinner. Right. Anyways, this particular restaurant said you can either have another steak and pay 50% or not have anything and, get, and then not get the second steak and not pay anything. So anyways, we went for the 50% um, uh, lane. So they tried to placate this situation. A uh, little bit by offering us a couple of pieces of pie. Yes, <laughs> pie. Like, more,
1: uh, like I need to get, I need to eat the pumpkin pie that you're trying to get rid of. Uh, <laughs> so, well, at that at that point, it's yeah, leftover Thanksgiving pumpkin
0: yeah. pie, right? Come on. Eh? So, anyways, we took the pie and we drove down to Martha Street and by the Main Street Project. There, gave it to this gave it to this guy, and I'm sure he loved it. So, I, he had a big smile on his face when I told him I had two pieces of pumpkin pie for him.
1: So, that guy loves pumpkin pie. Yeah. So, anyways. And, uh, and then you uh, sent me a picture, on, was it Saturday, Steve, of, of a piece of cherry? You had a lot of pie last
0: week, didn't you? I did, I, and I could not get cherry pie out of my brain. I was going out to Dairy Queen on Saturday night for ice cream, um, and uh, and my car went to Sobeys instead, and I got this wicked cherry pie. With some uh, Briar's cherry ice cream, and uh, that was awesome. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but man, did I ever get a lot of response? A lot of people agreed with you on the pumpkin pie. I, I wrote about it in my playbook. They love pumpkin pie, but they disagreed with both you and our producer, Jen about raisin pie a lot of people like raisin pie you guys. oh boy a yeah. lot of people a lot of people are sick um let sugar, sugar pies it's like yeah. butter tart pie oh like but butter
1: tarts, don't i you? don't i don't yeah. like butter tarts oh, at all like no <laughs> uh, you know what we, we won't get into this today but are we going to have to have a debate about christmas cake eventually steve um uh, didn't we uh, did we do it? The Christmas cake debate did. last year, maybe? I think we did. Yeah. Oh, we have
0: snow today. It did. Yes. Why are you a
1: fan of the snow, Mike? You know, normally I would grumble and not be very happy that we got snow this early. But I don't know. If, maybe it's maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's the feeling that we've been stuck in this perpetual state of. Groundhog Day, really, where it's just, you know, every day it's more COVID and restrictions and everybody's angry. And I don't know, there's something almost therapeutic about the snow, the gentle snow falling and co- covering everything, covering the ugliness. Oh like, a, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost poetic, I think, in my eyes. Um, and... I mean, I think we all want to just say good riddance to this year and there's still a few months left in it, but it's almost symbolic to me that the snow is like everything's dead underneath the snow, so cover all that death up. Um, maybe, the the snow, maybe the snow will cure COVID? I don't think, that <laughs> that I think well, it's going to force people inside. There's uh, a certain, with- there's a certain uh, president in the United States who might subscribe to that series steve we won't get into that by the way just a quick note here uh uh one new entry into the favorite dessert category since we're talking yeah, about yeah. Thai. my yeah. wife and i went to Ichiban last thursday Lovely. uh oh it's it's tremendous and we were like the only ones in there i actually felt bad for them like it's a great restaurant and there was nobody there and i i worry about how long they can keep going with with that kind of turnout. Could we, uh, we not show this podcast? That, you know? I would love that. We could actually do the podcast did sitting around,
0: podcast?
1: like at the Itchy Band table. That would be terrific. Wow. Well, the guy does the show, you know, throwing the eggs and the knives and everything. The bet I, I think this is my new favorite dessert, and I don't eat a lot of dessert these days. I'm trying to uh, be on the health kick. 63.6 pounds, by the way, as of Monday. Uh, tempura. Tempura banana yeah i think i've put it there before yeah oh it was so uh my wife and i split one um, but you'll laugh at this they asked us do you want do you want ice or it comes with ice cream what kind of ice cream do you want with it and i said i don't really care what kind of ice cream comes with it but it better not be on the banana <laughs> and then they, they they're like well that's kind of how it got served so they Gosh. bring it out i couldn't get the tempura banana out of there quick enough because the ice cream was melting on it and so that oh. took it down a notch but it was still amazing but yeah get that ice cream out of there i've had that uh dessert at
0: the itchy band uh a number of times and i've loved it i used to go to the itchy band my mom used to love the Itchy Ban, and we used to go as she used to take us as a kids. And um, I love the chicken livers. Did you have the chicken livers? I did. Yes. Yeah, they're oh, really good for sure. They're good.
1: They are uh, I indeed livers. I have some in my freezer. I got to try out. I have a funny Itchy Ban story. I won't bore you with it right now. But I once interviewed pro wrestler Chris Jericho, a Winnipegger. Uh, I, I once interviewed him at the Itchy Ban, and he ate a lot of food that night.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, we should probably wrap this up, Mike, where uh, our overtime period seems to go on and off. <laughs> we love the overtime period. We, we do. We talk about the Jets when we can talk about pie.
1: Right? Indeed, and yeah. snow. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, the snow might have melted by the time we're back next week, perhaps. Uh, who knows if it's here to stay, but...
0: Yeah, I think this is here to stay looking at the forecast. Yeah. So
1: anyways, thanks for
0: listening, folks. Glad to have you. And maybe we'll have a Patrick Langey situation. I wrapped up by next week, but I wouldn't bet on that either. Take care, folks. <laughs>